guys, welcome back to the Shackles of Debt, where I talk about money, debt freedom, and financial literacy. Today's episode is a special podcast episode, and I spoke to the amazing Natalie Marie Boyce. Now, Natalie is a single mum with two children. Due to a financially abusive relationship, in 2013, Natalie found herself homeless with £25,000 worth of debt and with her two children. Through sheer determination and resilience, four years later, Natalie was not only able to become debt-free, but now her and her children have got a home to call their own and she now runs her own online business. Natalie's mission now is to use her experiences to help other single mums break free of debt and to also start living a financially independent life. Now, this was a wonderful interview and we covered so many topics, homelessness, financial abuse, mental health, resilience. And I would like to thank Natalie for coming on here and being so vulnerable and sharing her story. And both of us are sure that this will be able to resonate with someone else who's watching right now. And if any of the topics that we cover hit close to home for you, then there will be some links down in the description box below for how you can seek some professional help. Now, I hope you enjoy this wonderful interview. First of all, can you tell me a bit about your background, like where you came from, where you grew up, etc.? Yeah, so my um, parents were first generation. They moved here. But my grandparents are from the Caribbean. And so I grew up in, well, I grew up in like South London. So Battersea, Streatham, um, went to school in Wimbledon and um, yeah, that was pretty much it. But it was like, you know, I had a really, well, I had a rough childhood um, and so it was very difficult um, and yeah, um, I've forgotten the question, Tembi, sorry. <laughs> about you just a bit like where you grew up which you kind of answered anyway you know where you grew up okay where your parents are from etc yeah 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 so <laughs> yeah no that's good um so you grew up in London for most yes. of your life okay. yeah yeah no, fair enough um and you know obviously your relationship with money is obviously impacted by a lot of mm-hmm. especially um our childhood experiences. Um, so when you think about what your relationship with money ended up being later on in life, do you think your early upbringing or your childhood influenced that? The journey I took to get to where I am today, definitely my early childhood really did definitely influence that. Um, and I think because money wasn't really talked about at home, mm. but it was used negatively like oh, okay. as as against me as a form of control when I was younger mm-hmm. um and um which then led me to the situations that I found myself in in, in my early on in my adult life mm. um so yeah yeah do you mind talking about that about how money was maybe used against you or can you give like some examples of how money can be used against someone yeah, so um, from my own experience as a child, like it used to be um, when I was younger, it used to be like uh, more about things, material things, so like clothes. So my mum, she just stopped buying me clothes, like in my teen years. And I remember just having like a uniform and just one Reebok tracksuit. And that was my wardrobe. Like mm. um, I didn't have anything else. And then when... She, I finally got a job when I think I was, I think I just got my NI numbers. It was just before my 16th birthday, I think. And I mm-hmm. started working. She would, I never knew how much money I had in my bank account because she'd always take my bank statements from me. And okay. then, then she would like say, you have to give me this amount of money every month. And I'd be left with hardly anything to live off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to do that like up until I was 18 when she chucked me out. Okay. And then getting with my kid's dad, he would like make me feel guilty. It would be like, um, first he would um, like verbally abuse me by telling me that like, um, like I had a shit job, even though I just started as a training accountant, you're not earning more than me, you're not earning more than me. Mm. But whenever he was in a financial situation, I had to always bail him out on the money that I, that my shit money. <laughs> 
Um, and um, and in the end, it's like, you know, I'd always, like, there's one thing I must always say, and I, <clears throat> even I never knew about, like, personal finance, I always had, I used to call it, like, um, contingency money, which we okay. now call um, emergency fund. Yeah. And I'd always have contingency money. So mm-hmm. I'd always be good at saving for something. I couldn't just save I couldn't just save for the sake of saving. Yeah. I always had yeah. to have something for it. So yeah. I remember I was pregnant with my son and I said, um, okay, I'm going to save for, I knew what I wanted to buy, like pram or whatever, and his nursery. And mm. so I saved money for it. And mm. I think like maybe it was um, a couple of months before he was born. Again, their dad did this dodgy business deal. And the guy he was supposed to refurbish, he shot. Um, took the money and just went on, went to Jamaica and didn't really come back. Mm. Um, and so I had to use all of my savings to give to him. Mm. And so what that meant is then I had to use credit cards to, in the end, pay for my son's stuff. Okay. And it always, it always be like that. Uh, we lived together and he didn't pay no bills. There's always something. It's always how he just coerced me into doing, into doing stuff. Mm. And I just didn't realize that it was going on. Yeah. And even when I tried to like speak to him and say, okay, but this is for our kids. It was just never, oh, I'm going to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back. I'm going to pay it back. And I've yet to see it. And I've never said this out loud before. I've said this to my friend, but I remember one time because we'd just broken up and his credit rating is ridiculous. It's just rubbish. Yeah. And he had to set up like um, payment into a bank account. Mm. So this large wodge of money came in from his clients. Mm. And so I said, no, I'm I'm keeping that money. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a battle. It was, it was a mm. battle. It was even got physical, but I would just refuse to give the money back because I was just like, mm-hmm. no, like, because you're saying to me, if I give it to you, you're gonna give me some money, but you're never gonna give me the money. You never I'm still you know, waiting yeah. for the money. Yeah, for all these years. Like it was, it was really, yeah. Um but I didn't know that I was in financial abuse until years after. You, ne- like, you never realize until you get out going on to financial abuse. I think it's something that people don't really know about until they've come out the other side or when people decide to, you know, tell their stories. Um, and it sounds like you went, you know, had two relationships, you know, your mom and then your former partner, which were just awful. Um, mm-hmm. in relation to you know your money so when you sort of look back to those relationships mm-hmm. and how you know they financially took advantage of you how has that impacted on how you handle money now and because I know for myself when it comes to giving people money and trusting people with money I don't mm-hmm. so people think mm-hmm. I'm very stingy and it, for me it's quite bad you know to the point where like I really struggle to even like buy gifts for people um simply because of you know that experience I went through and I was wondering um sort of have you experienced a similar thing um what I've experienced is because that situation took me to homelessness I never want to be in that situation again Mm. so it's not so much like I don't um where I may may have issues like, like I don't have issues of giving people money because, um, well, maybe I do because (laughs) as I'm talking about this now, I'm just like, well. (laughs) You're thinking. I'm thinking because um, there are people, yeah, like the only people I will give money to is my sister and my cousin if she ever asks me. And I would give it to them, not lend it, because I don't want that relationship to kind of... So if I can, yes. So if I can, I would just give it to them and that's it. Um, But I, yeah, maybe I do because I don't lend money. No, at all. Yeah, Yeah. at all. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I just, I'm like, I'll listen to them. And a part of me wants to offer because I feel bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. And but that half's like, no, it's, this isn't no, no. <laughs> so so I don't. Um, instead, I give them advice. I may coach them, like I would coach my client for free. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, just give them, <laughs> just give them that helping tips. hand kind yes. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't. However, if it was to a point where 
you know, it was some dire, I'd be like, well, what is it you need? And I'd rather buy them. So I'd go yes. and do a food shop for them and I would give it to them rather than giving them money. Yeah. And maybe that has affected me. Maybe yeah. that has, it has. Because now I'm thinking about before, I was quite generous with money. Mm-hmm. I was, I'd give it. And now I'm being like, no, there's only two people I would actually give money to, my sister yeah. and my cousin. And everyone else, I'll ask them what their needs are and I will go and buy it for them instead of giving them cash. Yeah. But I just don't want to fall into that thing where I give them cash and they're spending it on something. And I just, yeah, yeah I just don't want to be it. that. Yeah. And I just don't want to be that feeling, that feeling again. Mm. So just like touching on uh, financial abuse, um, a lot of people don't know what it is or what some of like the signs may be. Like both you and I didn't even know until we came out of it. (laughs) Yeah. But um, what are some of um, the signs that, you know, maybe your partner or maybe someone in your life might be financially abusing you? Um, Gosh, you know what? This is great because my ex... um, I broke up with uh, a couple of years ago. He was being financially abused by his mum. Oh, even as a grown man, man, wow, yeah. Um, and I do find that in that in that culture that he was from, he's like Nigerian, um, uh, yeah. And I do find that. Um, so these are the things. It's like where they say they always going to pay it back, but they they never do. That's financial abuse. Mm-hmm. Even if it comes across as innocent and maybe they're not aware of it, but that is, mm-hmm. that's abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, controlling, like some women's stories where they go out to work, but they don't have access to their bank account. So like how I was when I was younger, um, mm-hmm. I had a debit card, but my bank, my bank post and everything was being taken from my mum. So that's, that's another thing as well. Um, I say my my kid's dad was smart in the way that he put me down when it came to me earning my own money. Okay. And so it made me feel like I had to always prove myself. Mm. So when he did ask me for money, I wanted to show that I could provide it because he'd already set that he'd already told you you couldn't so now you're proving him wrong right no narcissists are good at that come on they know what they're doing oh my god yes and even then going to like the parent relationship just because of what my ex went through it was like um she got herself into this debt purposely when there were children because she just thought well my kids are going to go to uni they're going to have big jobs gonna have big money and so they're going to Pay, yeah, and they will get me out of this mess. And it didn't happen like that purely because you didn't have good money skills, and so you've passed that on to your children. And so where she was riddled in debt, they were all riddled in debt too. Um, and um, yeah, that's another abuse as well. Um, just parents expecting their children to pick up the slack when they get older. And the, I think, you know, because of uh, this African culture background, um, mm-hmm. it, it is a very fine line between obviously wanting to help your parents and obviously that expectation that you're going to help your parents um, mm-hmm. and it getting to a point where it is financially abusive. So I think it's a very, it's a very fine line. Um, but I think certainly for partners, you know, just adding to what you said, it's exactly the same thing. If you don't have access to your accounts or if like every single payday, you are immediately wiring money to this other person and never mm-hmm. seeing it again, not yeah. having access to like basic things like, you know, going to buy yourself a snack at the shops because all of your money is tied up in this person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's part of that coercive controlling behavior. Um, And I think also having joint bank accounts can be a bit of a danger as well. You know, missing money, money coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And also um, people who take out like your loans and cards in your name, or they might say, mm-hmm. oh, my credit's bad. Do you yes. mind if I get this loan? Yes. 
you know, in your name and I'll pay you back every single month and then it never happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask about your debt story. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just tell me a bit about how you got it, like what the process was that led you to getting into debt and like how much um, debt did you end up being in in the end? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Listen. Oh my gosh. Do you know, the other day I put a post up in my stories uh, and it was like a banter post, like, um, you know, I'm in so much debt that when I open the advent calendar, (laughs) there's a bailiff (laughs) behind the door. Oh, damn. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) And I was like, that was me a few years ago. It's deep. It's it's deep. Having them knock on the door, saying to the kids, shh, to know that we're there do you know what it was um, it was a lot it was a lot so I ended up being in 25k worth of debt Mm -hmm. Um, and um, some of it some some of it was my own um, but the majority of it was because of the kids dad like me always having to go into debt for him to support him yeah. To pay for him He's running a business And you realise I don't know if you know But with narcissists They are really bad with money Like they are My mum and my ex. They always want something They always yeah. buy Expensive things so, And you're like right. How can you afford this And they're always asking right. for money And they're always asking this is you the... To ask for some money From someone else yes. But you look like the bad yes. guy <laughs> Yeah And I realised That this wasn't Like I remember it was towards the end before we broke up and I went through these Facebook messages and I remember he must have, as usual, he was cheating and he was trying to reach out to someone he had dated before me and seeing her response. I thought, oh my days, I need to leave him because she was like, I thought I could forgive you because you took all of my money. And I don't, and she was just like, you know, what you did to me, I, I went to church, I got saved and I still can't get over this. And I thought, what did you do to, like, how much did you take this? And to think you could just message her, blase, like, yo, what's up? Like, you, like, you, you there's no, no, no shame or even <laughs> no. like embarrassment, like the, the confidence. Exactly, the confidence. Yeah. And then even my mum scamming my nan and my nan giving her all her money to pay for all my mum's debts. And I was just like, wow, like this is an ongoing thing. So that's how I got into debt. And and then not being able to work because um, he he was violent towards me after we'd broken up and I had my son in my arms and my daughter was locked Mm -hmm. in the room. And and so I had to get an injunction out on him. And how he got around that is he befriended the childminder I was going to the childminder while I was at work to see the kids and then important documents that I had given to the childminder, like my children's birth certificates and all that stuff, because he wasn't on the birth certificate. He had managed to coerce them to, Mm -hmm. they've basically photocopied my documents that I'd given them to to give him copies. Mm. All this is going on while I'm at work. And Mm. I'm just like, I can't even, I had had to leave my job. Mm. I just felt like I wasn't safe anymore. And my yeah. children wasn't safe. I put my children in a safe setting. I thought it was a safe setting. Yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah. And having that, and it was just, I couldn't afford the rent. And he had done some dodgy thing where he was renting out his house, and but he owed loads of council tax. And he said he was living with me. And so whatever I was claiming as a single person was then revoked. And I had, to, I was, I, I was got debt coming Did out you get, of like, my house. like council tax like, debt as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it was, it was a lot. And um, yeah, I just ended up, that's how I ended up in debt. And then in the end, I'm, you know, I don't know, it's like stuff was coming. I'd get into a car accident with a bus. It was my fault. <laughs> oh God, it rained on you, didn't and it? Listen, and I'm having to use, my, I'm having to use a credit card to pay this stuff off to live and an emergency fund it was it was too much and I lost my flat and going into a hostel and that became my home for three years and it just got to the point where I can't live like this anymore like my my daughter can't even go to ballet 
you know what yeah. I mean? And that's like eight pounds a week. It's nothing, you know? Yeah. I can't even afford to send my daughter to ballet anymore. And um, we can't do day trips. And, um, you know, I've always been about, I want to be able to give my kids what I didn't have. Mm. And, you know, it's gone from me and my daughter going on holidays to we're not even doing anything anymore because I couldn't afford it. I'm not even dressed in the way I want to dress anymore because yeah. I can't afford to do that anymore. And when you look at sort of your before and after pictures before you met the person yeah. and what you left, you're almost like a ghost. It's, yeah. it's crazy to see the change. and It is. Yeah. And, like and just not being able like, to afford, yeah. Exactly. I'm cutting all my hair off because I was going through something and leaving it short. But at the same time, like, it was just easier to cut it short. I couldn't afford anything else. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. so I'm just living a life that wasn't really my own. Mm. It's not no. what I wanted. No, absolutely. Um, and I just wanted to ask you about um, homelessness because it is yeah. something that a lot of people experience. And a lot of people are like, you know, one paycheck away from homelessness mm. uh, or mm. one, you know, being, you know, being fired away from homelessness. Um, and it's crazy. Obviously, there are like things like hostels, etc., and refuges. Yeah. But when you have a when you have a child, I can imagine how difficult that must have been. Um, so, what kinds of I would say lessons have you learned about like how to avoid becoming homeless? Mm-hmm. Is um, don't run from your debts. Firstly. Because you need peace of mind and um, learning that you have more power than your creditors is it shifts the mindset when you realize you have more power than them. Like they will use words, but read what the words say. They will always say we may. They're not going to they're not they're never saying we are going to do it. It's always we may or we might. I would definitely. you know, that's one of the things. And so then when you realise that, you can write them a letter and say, well, I can only pay one pound a month. That's all I can afford. Do you know what I mean? Or 50p, like, this is it. Because they're not, they are not necessary, they are not essential items. It's not your rent. It's not your electric gas. It's not food. Yeah, yeah it's not clothing. So once you realise that, that's, That's what I learned as well, that I have a lot more power. The second thing I learned that I created all of this Mm. as much as um, it's a sad story and it is what happened to me. um, I did create this and and yes, I was a victim. um, But however, like, I could I could have just said no. Like I, it's not like I didn't see the signs. But the moment I start felt uncomfortable in myself, I should have walked away. So what I learned from this is to get healing therapy is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Because what you don't realize is the reason why I chose to be my kid's dad is because he reminded me of home. Subconsciously mm-hmm. it feels like home. It's what you already know. It was so familiar. Yes. And your brain is wired to keep you safe. That's what it wants to do. Mm -hmm. And even if it means you going back into a abusive situation, your brain knows you can handle this though. And you know, you're going to live. And so it's always gonna. And so you must, that's another thing I learned that, you know, healing is really important because it means that you stop making the same uh, yes. Yeah. Um, the next thing I realized is that I was very poor with money anyway. Yes, I had contingency and I'll put some money away if I was saving for something, but everything else, like I was flossing and just going yeah. shopping all the time, <laughs> had to look good all the time. Yeah. Um, and wasting it on on just stuff that I didn't need, like always buying foods. 
Do you know what I mean? Always buying food. Um, cabs. Black cabs. Yes. <laughs> Black cabs. On a meter as well. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Always, always getting a cab here. Cab. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> You're balling. <laughs> yeah. And just like, so having a different mindset as well. Um, that's what about my money and also make me think about the future. I think before I got into homelessness, I wasn't thinking about my, mm-hmm. my future. I wasn't thinking about goals or what yeah. I really wanted to do. It was very much what's here, what's, what's right now. That's how I was. Um, and so it made me plan. It made me think about the kind of life I really wanted to live because yeah. before I was homeless, I was just cruising. Yeah. I was just yeah. cruising. And also it made me realize how strong I really, I really am. Yeah. Cause you were able to withstand all of that and you were able yeah. to have resilience and go through that and still be a mother at the end of the day. And yes. you look back and you're like, Oh my God, that's incredible. Yes. Yes, yeah. and my kids didn't know they were homeless until last year when we sat down and spoke about it. Oh my god! So how did you navigate? Um, sorry to cut you. How did you navigate yeah. like that with your with your children? Um, and to the point where they didn't even know they were homeless. Well, the first thing is, like, I'd never been up to the point. I'd never been homeless. So I'd never been in a hostel. So. I just had in my head, oh my God, I'm just going to have a room and I'm going to have to share all the amenities. Like, and I was already stressing. So when, so my bar was already really low. So when I got mm. to the hostel, I had my own kitchen, my own bathroom, my own room. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was already grateful. Yeah. Um, and I just made it as fun as possible. So they just thought it was one big adventure. Mm. Um and even though I couldn't afford to do these like elaborate day trips that we used to go on, we'd always do day trips. Like, so I had a car, so I knew we could drive anywhere. So we'd go to like loads of national trust sites, yeah, national yeah. trust membership, so free, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so we'd always go far away, see the sites, to the beach, mm-hmm. um, and just try and do as much fun stuff as possible mm-hmm. for free. And the yeah. ones that I wanted to go to, but I couldn't afford to, like with just one payment, then I would just save bit by bit until we was able to do it mm-hmm. um, and just look out for deals. Um, mm-hmm. But I always, they never like, they never saw me stress. Mm-hmm. I kind of just like, um, because it was one room and there was the other room was the bathroom. I'd go into the bathroom and cry or just, have a thing and I'd make them play or they'd watch TV and I'd be in there mm-hmm. crying or um when they were with their dads then that's when I would release with my friends yeah um and really like but I wouldn't do that around them mm-hmm. so you know they got up every day they went to school they yeah they had food so they, they didn't really clothing. have time to, they didn't have time to really process that no um, no know, because the home was where they were, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And I tried and it, to make it as nice as possible for them. And it just shows like a strength of like character that you have and you had in order mm-hmm. to be able to do that for them. Um, and I just wanted to ask, like, what was the process of you finally being able to get your own place? Because I'm saying at this point you weren't working and yeah. you were, you know, up to your neck in debt. How did you mm-hmm. then manage to then like finally get your own place so um so I was working um so when I got into when I got into hostel I wasn't working because the kids were young and I couldn't because he was doing whatever he was doing but um I waited until I actually had a small business called natural Mm -hmm. because I was making my own products anyway for me and my kids um the hair um and so that was keeping me by like I'd have like my own um, store in Spitalfields market and I'll do loads of like African market shows so that was giving me a bit of extra like people I call it a side hustle <laughs> I guess yeah um while that was keeping me afloat a little bit and to pay off some of my debts and then when my son started nursery I was like okay you know he's at nursery um so it meant that um 
I could do some work. So I just found a job, like it was like 10 till two or nine yeah. till, yeah, uh, whatever. Um, and I managed to do that. And so it brought in a little bit of money. And then my son, when he went to full-time school, then I got another job and I worked full-time. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I managed to get my own place. I just bidded and yeah. Yeah, managed to get the flat. To... Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant. Which that's was brilliant. so which was so hard because I'd been in a hostel for three years. Yeah. And the, the lady who was my initial officer didn't like me. Mm-hmm. And that's how you see like the the local um authorities are like everything is about discretion. If they like you, they will give you something. It's okay. not even like you're like you're entitled to it anyway. So yeah. when I first went there and I said I'm homeless, the woman was like, Oh, you have to fill this application. Then she saw my name was Boyce. And she was like, Oh, you're you're Bayesian. I said, Yeah, yeah, my dad's born for Bayesian. Yes. And she was like, Oh, my husband's Bayesian. Okay, don't worry about application. I'm just gonna put your shirt on the house and this. <laughs> Do you understand? Like, and yeah, like, it's okay. about who you know and yeah. that you can make Yeah. People. So I was like, okay, she's put me on the house list. But then I was assigned to my housing officer. Um, who's going to be dealing with my homeless case? And she did not like me. She didn't like that I I, I was an accountant, I had an accountant profession, I was you know almost part qualified. She didn't like she didn't like she didn't like anything about me. She didn't like it. And so I remember a letter came through saying we found that you made yourself intentionally homeless, and so you've got thirty days to leave the hostel. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this caretaker, he was so nice. He was like, what's going on? So I told him, he's like, he gave me a card from his sister who do legal aid mm. and help people in my situation. So I went there and they wrote, um, they basically asked them to send me my file, my, mm. my case file. And as soon as we asked them that, like a week later, they were like, oh, we've revoked our decision and we're still trying to, and this is how it's going back and forth for almost three years. Mm-hmm. And then another case officer said, we need you to come down to the office. You could do another in- application. I said, what? We need to do another interview. Mm-hmm. But you've already got my, my files. Yeah. And then I realized why we hadn't been able to get my file because I said it was lost. And I think that woman who did it in the first place did that on purpose because she just didn't, mm-hmm. she didn't like me. So at that point, it was like, my gosh, like I just going to step out in faith. I'd never done that before. And I was just like, no, I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. She was like, "What? Well, I'm not coming to do this again. I've been here for three years. You and know, tell me you lost my file. Yeah, I'm not doing this. You're going to find me somewhere." She's like, "I don't yeah. think we can do that. And this could mean you moving up, you losing a hostel." I was like, "Okay." So I just sent this email to the director of Lewisham Housing Services, mm-hmm. and I sent them this long list, and I said, "I know you've got a family. Like, mm-hmm. like, would you want your children running, like, hanging around women being beaten up? Because at the time, it was women being beaten up." By her boyfriend in this hostel place and like literally a couple of days later she was like here's your housing number here's your bidding and and I was like oh my gosh oh my god <laughs> and so I say all that because it's so hard like back in the day like my parents like I remember my dad saying to me one time you know your mum your mum had you we went to the housing and the same day they gave you the keys for a flat you know, like, it's so different I'm, these like, days. I'm like, yeah, that's not how it is anymore, dad. And mm-hmm. now it's so hard. Like they make it so hard. So you give up. Yeah, they make it so difficult. And, um, you know, I was because um, I'm a community. Well, I was working as a community nurse when I was mm-hmm. in England. I was working for a crisis team. And a lot of the issues we were dealing with were people who had become homeless and just how difficult the council are being and this whole thing of well you made yourself intentionally homeless if you present to the council is just seems like such a long drawn out process and people would often come to our services in order to get like a letter to say that they're under mental health services and that would speed things up yeah in some cases it does but in a lot of cases it doesn't um so yeah they make it so so difficult um and I wouldn't want that job. I it's just you know what can you do? And it's awful that you are like on the other side of it mm-hmm. um, as well. But I'm so glad that you guys managed to get out. <laughs> yeah, that you managed to finally, <laughs> finally get into your own place because people, you know, you under until you've sort of come close to homelessness, 
you know, which I haven't, you know, thank heavens, but I can only imagine that just, it's like, it is the foundation of everything, you know, that hierarchy of needs, safety, shelter is right yes. at the bottom. And when that's yes. away, it's like, <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and just the stress, like my anxiety came up, having anxiety attacks all the time. Having like speaking to the kids that asking him if he could have the kids a bit more because I didn't really want them to be there too much. Um, you know, him being really nasty and saying no, you know, taking it out on me because I'd left him. And it was really that was really hard because I was like, okay, so you, but you've moved your girlfriend in with her kids into your place. And you and can't even take your kids to her. Like you yes. As well. Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, and it's awful. just like, wow. Yeah, uh, I just want to pivot to your debt story. So you, mm-hmm. um, so in the end, you were twenty five thousand pounds in debt. So how yeah. long did it take you to become debt free? About three years, three to four years. Yeah. Uh, okay. And what are some of yeah. the things that you did, uh, or like what was like the the turning point where you're like, okay, I have to start tackling this because there's always a turning point. Yes. <laughs> there's always, yes. There's always that moment, that day where you're like okay, like, this is it, I've got to do this. Uh, What was that turning point for you? And then uh, the second part of that question is, um, what was, like, your strategy? What was your debt repayment strategy? Okay, so the turning point for me was being in a hostel, but it wasn't, like, instantly. It was, like, after some time, I'm just sitting here, just thinking about, like, how did I get here? Like, I'm just here. I think there was like a girl being beaten up in a few doors along mm. and I must've went outside and I was like, I'm going to call the police. And her friend came and her friend was like, but this is just life. Her friend was condoning her friend being beaten up by her boyfriend. This is just, this is just how it is. This is just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't want to, this is not my home. I don't want to live here anymore. Like I don't want to, like this isn't the place to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess just pretending as well. I got tired of pretending to people that I was okay. Mm-hmm. Like going to church, like how, yeah, amen. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm, t- I'm tired. I was tired. Yeah, 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 yeah. God's got me. And I was like, no, God has not got me. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is God? Where is yeah. Like I was just, I was tired. Mm. I was tired of pretending. And also I realized, I think it was after a few months realizing that um, everyone was like, yeah, you just go hostel and just a few months and they will house you. And I was like, okay, it's been a few months and they have not housed me. Mm. Like no one's going to help me. That was a turning point for me. It was like, okay, I have to do something about it. Yeah. Um, so that was it. And my strategy, so my strategy was, yes, yeah, so after I realized, I just started being open. Like, no, I'm homeless, actually. Like, mm. no, I'm in debt. And what it led to someone then um, saying to me, there's this organization called CAP, Christians Against Poverty. Okay. And they had, they were running a session near where I lived in the library. And so I'd go there, I think it was like Thursday evenings, I'd go mm-hmm. there. And it was like me and a handful of other people. And they would show us like stuff like how to, how to budget. Mm-hmm. How to create sinking funds, emergency funds. It was very, very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was enough for me to start okay. researching myself because I was like, okay, this is all my money that's coming in. And these are my expenses. Mm-hmm. And I've got more expenses than I have coming in. Mm-hmm. So how am I even surviving? It was very depressing for me. Um, and then I bought um, the Dave Ramsey book. And the money makeover, total money makeover. And just hear him talk about how to manage your money and what Mm -hmm. to do. It was just like, right, okay. And that's kind of how I kind of pushed that business a little bit more. Like Mm -hmm. I was showing up to all the markets, like bring the kids with me Mm. or not. Um, Because it was just like, okay, I can pay for the stool. And and I'll be able to make the money back and then some. And then... That's just how I, that's just how I did it. And using, using motivational speakers like um, E.T., the hip hop preacher, he'd always be in my ear. Oh, like, okay. Hearing him talk about grind, get up, get yeah, up. Yeah, oh, grind, you yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. Um, so listening to him, 
and like creating vision boards and having it on this moment's massive wall in the hostel opposite like where the kitchen is and like seeing how what I wanted for my kids what I wanted for myself yeah and then I created an accountability group with two other women from church yeah and we'd meet up like once a month but we'd have a whatsapp group so we'd always be messaging and checking in that was how I managed to pay off my debts so now I'm accountable to two people yeah. I'm rereading the Dave Ramsey book yeah um I've got my motivational speaker ET in my in my ear yeah and um and also like reading books like by Maya Angelou and listening, she just became my mentor. Wow. Um, yeah, my spiritual mother actually. And just having her, reading her yeah. and knowing, okay, if she came from that. I'm having similar yeah. stories of like sexual abuse and a, a, a bad upbringing. If she came from that to here, mm-hmm. then what more could I do? Yeah. Then you can and do then it just, too. Exactly. And then just keeping on, like yeah, every single bit of my money went towards extra money went towards my debts. Just went mm-hmm. towards my debts, and anything mm-hmm. I had a little bit extra went on day trips with me and the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really did like affect the whole of my life. Me focusing mm-hmm. on my finances because then I got serious about my fitness. Okay, and then I got serious about okay, well, once I put Raha in nursery, mm-hmm. then. I'll be able to get a job and it just kind of like, and I'll just go back into accountancy. Yeah. 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 Um, So how is life post debt? Like, are you investing? Um, What are like some of your future goals that you're not able to focus on as a result of being debt free? So yes, I'm investing for me and the kids. They're getting involved too. (laughs) Although my son would rather invest all his money in Roblox, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I just leave it to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now I'm investing, like, we've got our socks and shares, ISAs, and we're just, in, I usually just invest in, like, um, the Vanguard Life Strategy Funds yeah. and the, um, and, like, index funds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because... I guess it's lazy investing, but it just makes sense. Investing in those it index funds, they track the market and yep. they beat the average. I mean, you just keep and putting money in And you don't have to think about it. So yes, exactly. Just, I don't know why people like do this whole active investing business. I mean, yeah. that's just not my thing. You no, that's not my thing. Yeah, exactly. Forget about it. <laughs> exactly. And it was just like, and looking, I was looking at my statement back in September and I was like, oh my God, like how much money I've made passively in just one year. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's nice. Um, so doing that, that's, that's how I invest and um, my goals. So my goals is I want to be making 10K a month. That's what I would oh, like to be doing. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that one. I'm not there yes. yet though. <laughs> yeah. but Listen, if you on your vision board, it's going to happen. Yes. Those, those are my, that's my like, my biggest goal. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, I want to be able to like, because my children are now homeschooled. So I want to be able to do stuff like go on holiday for like a month, two months at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I can bring my business with me anywhere. It's not like stationed. So that would be nice. That's up there with the 10K month as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's like to be be able to do that with my children. Yeah. Because we just love traveling. Um, Yeah. To be able to do that. And what other goals? I want to be a numerologist. Um, oh, is that like a mathematician? So like it's it's yeah, it's like metaphysics and mm. it's about reading someone's chart based off their numbers oh. and um telling you like so I can like I can I can tell you, okay, you know, these are the things you're gonna come across in your future. This is this is how you are right now, just mm-hmm. based on the numbers you give me. So it's like Pi, Pythagoras. That number oh, wow, has got yeah. everything in there. It's got your date of birth, your address, your phone number. Like mm-hmm. it's the num. It's amazing. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the financial challenges that single parents face? Um, <clears throat> managing everything on one income, especially when their children's dad is not. Um, or the other parent is not contributing financially towards the child. 
I find that really, it can be difficult, especially if you're like reliant on their money and they do that as, as control. Mm-hmm. So those are the struggles that I find like having to manage everything on one income. And I think for me, how I got my head around it is firstly accepting that that's how it's going to be. Like, don't fight it. If you can go to the child maintenance services and do it that way, that's great. But Mm -hmm. if your ex is self-employed, they can make up any numbers they want. And it's weird because they do a self-assessment tax. I'm not sure why child maintenance is not talking to DWP about the tax or HMRC about the taxes. Like, I'm not really sure why that's not happening. Um, And so I would not use your, don't waste your energy trying to fight them to get money. Use that energy and increase your income. I think, and I think that's what a lot of single mums, that's their biggest struggle, I find that they're fighting someone who doesn't want to contribute. You're fighting your situation. And, and that's with all situations. Don't fight. Don't fight the process. This is how it is. You fighting the process is more yeah. stressful than you actually just going with the process. Yeah. Um, so just accept where you're at and increase your income. Yeah. And you can do that either by, like, your current job, mm-hmm. in your current industry you're working, find, find a job in the, in the industry you're working that's paying more. Or mm-hmm. try and create a side hustle, which can yeah. be difficult as well. I find that's another struggle for single parents is if you're working full time mm-hmm. and you have child or children, you then coming home to create a side hustle is hard because you're you've got two jobs mm-hmm. to work, and then the other job is being a mum. Yeah, and then coming home to to do that to parent and then to do a side you're, you're shattered. Um, and so I've always like advocated. Like, okay, well, then you need to believe that you can do the job that you want to do, like now, mm-hmm. like go and apply for it now to get that extra money. Because mm-hmm. um, that's how I've always done it. I've always done it on one income. Yeah. Until I was with my, my ex-boyfriend, he would contribute. He would contribute towards the kids because he knew that their dad wasn't paying towards them. So he yeah. would help out. And yeah. like whenever he helped out that extra money that I then finally had, I would put towards my debts, right? I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's always been, I've always been on one income. Yeah. No, no. It's, it's a very difficult thing to have to go through. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. So basically try and see if there's a way that you can increase your income by mm-hmm. getting a side hustle or getting a promotion or you know, yes. asking for help from family and friends. Yes. Yeah, like childcare and stuff because I know childcare is one of the biggest expenses. Like nurseries, it's crazy how much they charge. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot mm-hmm. believe that. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's very difficult, and it's so sometimes it leaves people like no choice but to be stay-at-home mums and to leave their jobs, which can then sort of lead people to another spiral of debt. But no, it's it's very difficult for like all of the mums out there. Um, you can't get far when you're shaming yourself. Like you, yeah. So you need to show yourself kindness, compassion, mm-hmm. and um, another one is like when we say side hustles. I think some people get caught up like with this. Oh, I have to open up a new business. It can be something small as match betting. If you've got a car park space, like rent that out. Like it doesn't have to be big. You've got some unwanted stuff. Sell them on eBay. There's so many selling apps now. You can put the same item on all of them to get a better chance. Yeah, Facebook Marketplace. Yes. Um, Vintage. Yeah. Yeah, Vintage is a good one as well. Yeah, eBay. Um, And Depop. Yeah. And I'm just like, it doesn't have to be like, doesn't have to be like you setting up this whole business on Instagram or or yeah. anything. Like I have my business here, yeah, but I still sell on those eBay sites or yeah. go to the like the market and match betting now and then. Like mm-hmm. think outside the box. That's how yeah. I've got to where I've got to. Mm-hmm. I've thought out I thought outside the box. I've not listened to statistics. And so that's what I do. Like, stop listening to people with limited views. 
And I think that's how I've got where I've got to. The people with the loudest opinions are often the people that aren't really doing anything with their lives. It's crazy. And I completely agree with you on that. And I'd even give you an example. Like when I moved to New Zealand, I only told people, uh, like my work colleagues knew when I handed in my resignation. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I told my parents like a few months into the process. And I only told my friends when I got my visa, which was like a month before I left. Because I knew Love that it. within some of those circles, there would have been one or two people who would have been like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, who does that? Oh, you won't find anything there. Like, stay here. Or So that's such a good point that you make about yes. um, intentionally sort of quieting some people's voices and opinions. Definitely. Like, some of my family don't even know that I do this, that I run a company. They don't, they don't know. They still think I do a nine to five and it's oh, best wow. that they I keep it like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's good. So how is it, how is like self-employed life going? Oh girl. <laughs> is it rough out there in the streets? Like, <laughs> Listen, I, I didn't realize like, don't get me wrong. I love what I do, but I didn't realize that it would be like this. Like it is all consuming. Like the first thing I wake up when I get up is my business. The last thing I think about before I go to bed is my business. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And the fears that come in yeah. as well is so like, oof, it's, it's scary that I had to hire an emotional coach to help me through this. <laughs> and you know what? That That's okay. Like, yeah, you outsource these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the long run, that money that you're spending on your emotional coach is going to save you dividends from you having like a breakdown. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, because I find it, I find it scary. But however, like, I love it. I get excited when I think about the new ideas I'm going to implement into it, especially like over this Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to implement this. I'm going to launch it for the new year. And I'm just excited. I love the fact that I get to, work whenever I want to work but I am working long hours but I'm still able to do that around my kids and I'm still able to homeschool them and offer them a lifestyle that I wouldn't have been able to offer them if I was working nine to five yeah I'm just I'm just happy and I just know that it's going to be okay like yeah Oh, no, that's brilliant. I'm so happy for you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out to be part of my podcast slash video. Like, I really, really appreciate it. Like, it's been such a great chat and people that do watch this are really going to gain a lot. And it's been such, you know, I've really enjoyed like getting to know you and talk to you from the other side of the world. 